Hello, I'm Dr. Gloria Horsley. And I'm her daughter, Dr. Heidi Horsley. Heidi and I want to welcome you to Open to Hope Conversations, the podcast. We believe that the greatest gift you can give yourself after a loss is hope, using this moment to connect with others who have not only survived, but thrived. So let's get started. Welcome to the Open to Hope show. I'm your host, Dr. Gloria Horsley, with my daughter and co-host, Dr. Heidi Horsley. Heidi, we're going to have a really important show today with a fabulous person. And we are going to talk about the fact that you need to get help after loss. And Mackenzie is going to give us some ideas how you can do that. So Heidi, you want to introduce Mackenzie? Sure, I'd love to, Mom. So we're going to talk today with Mackenzie Drazen. As you said, she lost her sister to suicide during her freshman year of college. Um, since then, Mackenzie has dedicated her life to defeating stigma and increasing mental health care. And she founded the nonprofit myteam.org and co-founded uh, My Resource, which is amazing. It's MI Resource. I just went on up my phone. It's phenomenal. And she, this resource, basically what she does is she works with universities to connect students to mental health. So welcome to the show, Mackenzie. Thank you so much, Heidi and Gloria. It's an honor to be here. It's great to have you on. Well, I, I think we ought to start a little bit about telling us about your sister and how you got into the work you're doing right now. So I was introduced through mental health through my sister Shelby and Shelby struggled with depression, anxiety and an eating disorder. And we thought we were really lucky that we grew up um, in the Bay Area right next to Stanford Hospital. We were lucky that we had amazing um, primary care providers and a family that, you know, didn't have stigma, even though we didn't really know what we were doing, but we were fully on board with trying to help support my sister and get her whatever help she needed. We were lucky that my mom was a full-time mom and could spend a lot of her time dedicated to helping Shelby find care and coordinating with her doctors. Um, but despite all this, we still weren't able to find Shelby the right care and really got thrown around the mental health care system, um, which was extremely challenging and a really crazy windy road. And unfortunately we, we lost Shelby to suicide. And after Shelby passed away, I just couldn't understand how everything seemed to be teed up so well to go right. And, you know, what does it mean for families who can't afford care or who don't have access to resources near them? Um, and so I, I spent a lot of time trying to understand how does the mental health care system work? How do referrals work? Why did the physical health care system fail us when it seemed like we had so many pieces in the right place? Um, and, and that was really how I got hooked on the mental health space and realize that there was a lot of room for progress and lots of fun problems to solve. Yeah, now you were in high, in college, Heidi was in college also when her brother was killed. So that's a, quite a challenging thing to be away at school and uh, uh, have that happen, right Heidi? Yes, I was, I was struck by the fact, I know you were, were at Duke University and you were a freshman. I'm just wondering how you did all that. It must've been pretty challenging, I imagine. It was, and in some ways, actually, being at school where people didn't know Shelby or, you know, there were so many people that didn't know me or had no idea that Shelby had just passed away 
was a blessing in disguise for me because it allowed me to be, after Shelby passed away, there were so many people that had these ideas of what the right way to grieve was. Mm -hmm. And I know they were trying to be helpful and it came from a place of love, but really would say things like, no, you absolutely should not go back to school or really kind of trying to be helpful, but ended up telling me what they thought I should do. Um, which was really hard to be on the receiving end of, even though I knew it came from a place of love. And so for me, what was best was going back to school and having that, being able to be around people who didn't know what had happened. And I could, you know, try and have some sense of normalcy um, to help get back on my feet. And, And so actually going back to school was the right thing for me. What did you find? You said earlier on that you you realized what was needed and what was what we don't have with the mental health. Yeah, one of the things that I realized when I started to talk to people who specialized in making referrals, trying to understand what are all the components you need to take into account to make an accurate connection um, between Um, patient and mental health provider. And what I learned was that there's lots of little data points that you're you're trying to gather to be able to make that connection. Um, And the tricky thing about mental health care is that you can have clinicians who receive the same training, but end up specializing in different conditions. Mm -hmm. And so one problem that we had, we ran into a couple of times with Shelby was that we found great clinicians that were great for suicidality or could really help her with self-harm, but were not equipped to treat an eating disorder. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and, and same thing with programs, that there were programs that could, were great for eating disorders, but didn't take self-harm or were not equipped for suicidality or the fantastic residential program she went to was amazing for suicidality and self-harm, but then couldn't treat the eating disorder. So as soon as she was discharged from um, the residential program, then she was back in the hospital for her eating disorder. And so there were so many different data points that change all the time that you can't, um, that you can't just data scrape or, um, just look up a license and, and have a full idea of what that clinician specializes in. So what we realized that we had to do is that there was a data maintenance problem. One part is being able to effectively triage someone to the right type of care, understanding, you know, if this is what you're struggling with, this is the type of care team you need, um, or resources that would be appropriate for you. But then the other side of that is once you can identify that it's so hard to actually find those clinicians in the local area. And so that's where um, it becomes like a data problem. Um, And so what we've really focused on is how can we keep information on mental health providers up to date at scale and then infuse all of the best practices and research into our system to then also assist clinicians in the triage process as well um, so that they don't have to have this sort of information that seems to be siloed across different um, disorder specialties. You know, it, it's really fabulous. And Heidi and I um, have, you know, very much in the grief and loss world because we found that it is important to specialize in this area and to understand what's going on with grief and loss. I remember when my son was killed, uh, I because I was a therapist at the time and I thought, well, everyone should go into therapy. And, I, and what happened with you, Heidi, just as an example of one, pe- nobody stayed in, but 
what was yours like? I don't know if he was an expert on grief and loss. He seemed like a psychoanalyst to me. Yeah. So uh, it was a really bad fit. So if I had been able to find a person that was just specialized in traumatic loss, that's where I would have, you know, that's where I would have wanted to go. Right. I had a similar experience in that I remember the first person I saw, my Duke was amazing about re being really supportive to me and, and really encouraged me, like, let's get you connected with a therapist. Mm -hmm. And when I first, the first therapist I saw after Shelby passed away, um, I sat down with this clinician. I remember it like vividly and they were asking me questions and, and had been briefed on what had happened with my sister. And, um, I, you know, basically what they were trying to suss out was, did I feel responsible for her suicide? And I, I've never blamed myself for her suicide. There's so many things that I could have done better. And I, you know, that I regret, um, and, and wish I could change the way that I was supporting Shelby now that I know more. Um, but I, you know, I, I never necessarily blamed myself for her passing. Um, and, and it's, that's kind of seemed to be the only thing that they were trying to figure out. And I'm like, but I'm, I'm still, I actually had PTSD from all kinds of things that had happened. And, um, this clinician was basically like, well, there's nothing I can do to help you. Um, but I'm like, but I am, you know, this is the lowest point I'll ever feel in my, oh my life gosh. right now. How is, how can that be the, how can that be your answer? Um, wow. Well, tell us, uh, how do clinicians sign up for your program and how does it all go? And is it in full fledged right now? And I know you have gotten a grant from the national Institute of mental health. As of right now, my resource is an invitation only platform. Um, so we work with organizations that have vetted lists of clinicians okay. and, um, you have to be invited by one of those organizations to join, but we are about to open up an application process. Um, and then we will be screening applicants, um, to join our network. Um, but it will, it's going to remain, um, a, a, a vetted network of clinicians, um, and will be invitation only, but there are ways that you can apply as a clinician, um, to, to join our network. And right now, um, to get on the waiting list for the application, you can email info at miresource.com, um, to be added to the wait list for when we launch the application program. I love this Mackenzie, because I don't think people out there realize that for most sites where you search for therapists, anybody can go on and, and put their bio and their photo. They don't have to be licensed. And, you know, I think that, you know, the lay public doesn't realize that. So, you know, they're getting people that might not even have that much training and it's, it's a little dangerous. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today and for all the work you've done in the name of Shelby. It's just absolutely fabulous. And thank you're you. just a, a fantastic person. And uh, I'm so excited about this program, aren't you, Heidi? It's amazing. I, lo I love what you're doing. I mean, goodness of fit is everything. And I love that you're trying to, you know, like you said, hone down on people's skill sets and then match them with the right patient. Mm -hmm. I, mean, I, I think it's great. Uh, and give us your website again before we end the show. The website is miresource.com. All right. Well, for everyone, I absolutely, it's fantastic. And get help if you've had a loss or have mental health problems or whatever, you can reach out and get help. So thank you again, Mackenzie, for being on the show. And thanks everybody for joining us today. And Heidi and I wanna remind you all that if you've lost hope, please lean on ours until you find your own and God bless. Mm -hmm.
I'm Dr. Heidi Horsley. You have been listening to Open to Hope, the podcast. You can follow Open to Hope on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. To learn more, visit us at opentohope.com and go to Apple Podcasts to subscribe. I'm Dr. Gloria Horsley. Join us again next week for another Open to Hope conversation where we invite you to lean on our hope until you find your own.